we have felt really strongly that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us about the adventure being a church that, it, that exemplifies the things that are important to Jesus. This was the vision that I really felt the Holy Spirit had for us the beginning of this year, coming from Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4, which is when Jesus kind of came out into his public ministry, he declared what was important to him. And we really believe that that is the direction that the Holy Spirit is taking us to do the things that were really important to Jesus. Not to just, you know, who needs to just do church? We're not here to just check it off our to-do list. We come here on Sunday mornings to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about the things that really matter to Jesus. We talked, or Kelly actually talked about the first thing that was the most important thing to Jesus, which was what? To bring what? You said it. Good news to the what? Good news to the poor. Who's poor? All of y'all, <laughs> including me. We are all poor. It doesn't mean bank account poor. I mean, it could mean that. But what it means is we are all in need. Yes? We are all needy. We all need salvation. We cannot save ourselves, no matter how hard we try. So Jesus came, number one, to bring good news to the poor. This is the vision of 2020 for the Adventure Church, to bring good news to the poor, to bring the gospel to people who need it, which includes everyone. The second thing is what? Anybody remember? Last week we talked about? Okay, I should just do the exact same sermon as I did last week, since you obviously didn't even hear it. <laughs> what did Jesus come to do? Comfort the brokenhearted. And how many, how many people are brokenhearted? Everybody. Remember I said there are three kinds of people. There are people who are broken. They know they're broken. They know they can't fix themselves. And they lean on Jesus and they rely on Jesus to fix them. The second kind of people are people who are broken and in denial about their brokenness. They're, they're actually, they don't want other people to know they're broken. So they try to cover it up with all of their, whatever they do, cover it up with. And then the third and saddest kind of people are the people who are broken and don't even realize that they're broken. But guess what? Jesus came to comfort all who are brokenhearted. So if we are brokenhearted, if you are brokenhearted, he came to comfort us, came to give us hope. The third thing that he came to do, which we're going to talk about today, is to bring freedom. He came to set the captives free, and he came to release the prisoners. Oh, before we go back into that, I wanted to just give you guys a little bit of an update on our missions team that is in the Philippines right now. I am so amped about this. If you haven't been to the Philippines, you should go to the Philippines with us. We're going to go in April, April 24th through May 5th. This, it's not going to be anything like this. Well, you might sweat this profusely, but it's not going to be as muddy. These guys are heroes. Y'all, they are building an orphanage. Building an orphanage, and you all helped. 
with the money that you guys provided. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. When I see those little kids in my mind, uh, I just, I just want to encourage you, if there's any part of you that wants to go experience what's going on in the Philippines, not for a vacation, trust me, not for a vacation, but to be transformed, come and join us the end of April. We're going to have sign-ups out there. It will change your life. These guys are building an orphanage. The, the Lord essentially handed us this land, and now we are, we are able to provide an orphanage for the, for the broken, for the poor, for the brokenhearted, these little kids. So I'm so excited. Lee Kelly, who is our resident painter, he painted this on top. Isn't that so cool? Yay, God. Can we just applaud the Lord for his goodness? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Have you guys ever noticed that I'm random? Sorry. <laughs> okay, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring, say it with me, good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. The NIV, which is the New International Version, some people call it the Nearly Inspired Version, but the New International Version, <laughs> incidentally, if you've heard that there's a lie that's going around that says that you should only believe the Bible in as far as it is correctly translated, it is correctly translated because we, the, we <laughs> I'm including myself with all the intellectuals, the, the, the smart people have taken the actual scrolls, the actual original scrolls and manuscripts and translated it or turned it into whatever particular language you read it from. So it is accurate. Okay, it's not, you know, you've heard, oh, it's been translated over and over and over. It's been translated from Greek to German to Swedish to Japanese to, it. no, it has been translated directly. And it is accurate. You cannot refute this. This is a fact. And so when you read the Bible it is the word of God. And the Bible says of itself that it is able to transform us, that our minds can be transformed and changed. And part of that is what Jesus wants to do in us and through us. And we're going to talk about this today. But the NIV says to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. I did a little bit of a study on what prisons were back in the Old Testament times in the time of Isaiah the prophet, who has written this, this particular passage, the prisons at that time, as you can imagine, were extremely dark. They were not really to rehabilitate. They weren't even actually for punishment. The prisons were just kind of a place they held people as they awaited their sentencing, as they awaited their judgment. I thought, that is really symbolic. The prisons that we, that we are in, the prisons that we have either been put into by others or put ourselves into are really those places where we await the judgment of the Lord. And now, when it says here, go to, um, okay, uh, verse one where it says, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, comfort the brokenhearted, and proclaim that 
Captives will be released, prisoners will be freed. I really wrestled with this. I was like, what's the difference? Like, what's the difference between a captive and a prisoner? Because they're both in captivity, essentially. The difference is how they ended up there. Captives were typically people who were taken during war. They were prisoners of war who were taken and put into captivity. That's what a captive is. So they don't have freedom to just move around as they will. They are put there oftentimes not because of guilt or something they've done, but because someone else put them there. Contrast that with prisoners. Prisoners are typically there because of their own actions. They're put in prison typically because they're guilty. Symbolically, we're talking about this. Of course, there are exceptions. Um, As a matter of fact, I just saw a movie called Just Mercy. Anybody else seen that? Great movie, huh? I saw it with you. Yes, I know you saw it. (laughs) That movie, there, I'll just, just, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but there's some scenes in there that are just amazing. But during this time, prisons were like a holding cell. And so, and so it says here, it says, verse two, he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Every time there is a sin, and we do use the word sin because Jesus used the word sin. Sin just means falling short of perfection, not doing things perfectly, not doing things the way that God has intended, not doing things to bring life to yourself or to others, but things that bring death because there's no gray in that. And, and, it's, and at any time there's sin, whether it is our own sin, our own decisions, or sins that have been committed against us, there is a grief that takes place. There is a, there's a mourning that takes place because it says that the wages of sin is death. Anytime there's death, there's typically mourning. There's a grief that takes place. And Jesus has come to, to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now you notice right after that, there's a comma. What it, this part right here up to the time of the Lord's favor has come, that is the first time Jesus came to earth. That was when he was born, little eight pound, seven ounce baby Jesus, born in a manger. The first time he came, that Jesus. He came to proclaim the good news. He came to give us a second chance. Okay, he came to say, hey, I know you're in captivity. I know you're in prison, but I have come to set you free. I have come to bring release for the captives and freedom for the prisoners. I've come to bring good news. I've come to comfort the brokenhearted. But then after that comma, that is talking about the second coming of Christ. It says, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. This is talking about the judgment And you can deny all you want. You can just imagine Jesus is just this really kind, just kind of winks at sin, kind of, oh, it's not that big a deal. That is not Jesus. Jesus is coming the second time 
to judge the living and the dead. Jesus is coming back. Can I get an amen? Amen. And Jesus is going to judge. We are going to stand and give an account. Now you have a choice. Either you can say, God, you know, I've lived a pretty decent life. As a matter of fact, I have lived a perfect life and I've never sinned. Self-deception, number one. I have never sinned, so I'd like you to judge me based on my works, my good works, because I've done so many good things. That is option A. Option B. Jesus, I am helpless and hopeless, and I cannot save myself. I know that I've sinned. I have fallen short of your glory. Lord, I do not even deserve to be in your presence, but I thank you for your grace. I thank you for going to the cross and dying and paying the penalty for my sins so that I can live. Okay? You have your choice. That's, those are the only two options. There are no other options. Either you stand on your own righteousness... Still your turn. Or you stand on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and you say, I want to be found in him. I want my sins to be paid for by Jesus Christ. And I want to be judged on that. Amen? Okay, so this is, this is the gospel. The, the gospel is, the good news is, we have all sinned. Every single one of us has sinned. Anybody deny that? Because we will just talk to your spouse. <laughs> Get the real scoop. So Jesus is coming back. It says, this is the time of the Lord's favor. And with it, the day of God's anger against the enemies. Now here again, to all who mourn in Israel. This is verse 3. He will give, we talked about this last week, a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He will give us joyous blessings instead of mourning. And he will give us festive praise, a garment. It's like, it's like your party outfit. Like, we're going to just party with Jesus. We're going to just celebrate and praise and worship him. That, instead of despair. Sounds like such a great deal, yes? This is what Jesus came to do. It says, in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Okay, again, captives are people who are, who are held in captivity probably by something someone else did to them. So these are the transgressions or the sins or, or where people have mistreated you or abused you. And then on the other hand, the prisoners... This is, this is what we have done. These, this is our own culpability. These are the things, the choices that we have made that don't bring honor to God. The things that go against the ways of the Lord. But Jesus came for both. Instead of ashes and mourning and despair, it says he's come to bring us freedom. Yes? So what is freedom? Freedom is the ability to make God look good. Now, I know that probably sounds kind of selfish, but it's not. God is not a selfish God. God is just a perfect God. And if we want to be free, we can be free to worship him and to honor him and to give him glory because everything else will put us in captivity. Everything in this earth, everything that promises 
to give you whatever it is that your heart desires will fail you. Everything except the presence of God. It says in his presence is fullness of joy. The things, you know, there's, a, there's an old um, song called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his glorious face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And you know, if you're one of the, the people like me who came to Jesus at a later point in your life, you know that the things of this world don't satisfy. I heard a, a, an interview by a guy named Adolf Coors the Fourth, who is the heir to the Coors Brewery uh, dynasty. He ended up, um, after his grandfather in, in 1914, ended up committing suicide. His father was brutally murdered, kidnapped and murdered, and this man ended up coming to Christ and, and left the dynasty. But he was talking about earthly things, earthly riches. He said he lived one of those opulent lifestyles with all the stuff, all the money, and all the, all the good education and good looks and athleticism and everything. And he said, none of it satisfies. He said, he, he, I can't remember, he quoted some, some multimillionaire who said, it is a huge burden to have to try to manage $200 million. It's a huge burden. It's a burden too big for anyone. Now, I'm willing to try and give it a shot. <laughs> See, not really. The things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Jesus has come to set us free from these things. And true freedom just means bringing glory to God, which simply means reflecting who he is, being a reflection of him. So let me ask you, can we get real here? Thank you. Does your life reflect Jesus? Or when people see you, do they see you? Because true freedom brings us to the point where they don't even see us anymore. They see Christ in us. And actually, the Bible says we are the aroma of Christ. To those who are perishing, we stink. But to those who be, are, are being saved, we are like this sweet smell. People just want, they want to know more. And Jesus is giving us the opportunity to be free to reflect him. Does your life reflect him? And I'm not saying this, there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I'm just asking you, is that what your life reflects? Or does your life reflect you and your issues and your captivity and your bondage? It says, Jesus says, they, everybody, everybody quotes this. Uh, you know, people that, 
that uh, don't know the Lord, they, they know, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John three sixteen. you see it at the football games. They always know that. Then they know Matthew 7 that says, judge not lest you be judged. They always know that one. They don't know the context, but they always know that one. And then they also know this one. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What does this really mean? It's talking about truth. It's, so there are actually three words in the Greek, and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but there's the logos, which means the word, the word of God. Then there's the rhema, which means the right now word of God, which means that I call them the bold print verses, the ones that like, oh, when did he put this in the Bible? Like, I've never read this before, and it applies exactly to my situation. Anybody have that experience? When you're reading the Bible, you're like, wait, this is exactly what I needed to hear. That's called the rhema, when it comes to life, when it applies exactly to your situation. So there's the overall word of God, then there's the rhema, word of God, then there is the, I want to pronounce it right, aletheia, which means, this is, the, this is the one that Jesus is talking about. Then you shall know the aletheia, which means the reality. And the reality will make you free. That's really what this is talking about. Then you're going to know how things really are. And then that knowledge will set you free. So the way things really are, there is a spiritual realm. There are demonic forces that want to destroy your life. They want to destroy your relationships. They want to hold you captive. They want to keep you bound to whatever it is that's keeping you bound. Now, I personally do not believe Christians can be demon-possessed. I don't think... The analogy is... So demons can come and rent a room in your house, but they can't own the house. So if you are not being daily filled with the Holy Spirit, even if you've named the name of Jesus, you've prayed the sinner's prayer or whatever... Demons can still torment you. Okay, so I I know people say, I don't believe Christians can be demon-possessed because I believe that if we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is within us. But if we're not being daily filled with the word and, and, and prayer and just giving ourselves, surrendering over to the Lord, the demonic realm will want to wreak havoc in your life. Those lying spirits are going to come in and they're going to be whispering in your voice. They're going to be lying to you about who you are. They're going to be lying to you about who other people are, lying to you about who God is. These demonic spirits will come and they will try to take residence in your life. So much so that eventually you'll hear those same voices again and again. And I I personally believe that Satan... And, and not, uh, let me just say, the demonic forces, they speak to us in a familiar voice. They speak to you in your own voice, or the voice of your parents, maybe, or the voice of that coach 
who told you you were never going to amount to anything or that teacher who told you you were stupid or whatever that thing is that's held you captive, I believe that if the enemy came in and used his own voice, we would go, who are you? So I think he uses our voice or the voice of people we actually care about or people that have hurt us in the past. And what Jesus is saying is that we can know how things really are. We can understand and recognize there is an enemy of our souls who has come to steal and to kill and to destroy us. But Jesus is saying you can know the reality. You can know how things really are and those things will set you free. It's called the metanoia, to have your mind changed. Metanoia means to change your mind. So you will know the reality, you will know how things are, your mind will be changed, and Jesus will set you free in that. It also can happen through serving other people. You know, one of the main ways that I got set free free was just giving up my life serving other people and I've known so many people that that is how you get set free and persevering we talked about this last week just suffering trusting God in the middle of it knowing how things really are knowing that God is good knowing that God is for you and knowing that God is faithful you know the only people who don't get set free are those who are not willing to admit that they are not free Let me say that again. The only people that will not get set free are those who are not willing to admit that they are not free. Because we're all bound in some way. We're all broken in some way. We're all needy in some way. Because we're human. This is the human condition. But Jesus has come to set us free from bondage from heaviness, from poverty, from shame, from injustice, from worry, from fear. The first thing is he's come to set us free from bondage. Whatever it is that has you captive or has you in prison. And I'm just, can we just have real talk here? Yes? I have been um, really grieved recently um, just hearing the latest studies on the effects of pornography on our young people and on marriages. The damaging effects. And, and again, I am not saying this to condemn anybody. I am here with a message of hope that you can be set free. And this isn't just for men. This is for women. This is for boys, this is for girls, they say the average child is exposed to pornography at the age of eight. And it's gotten so bad at this point, even boys are afraid of girls. They're afraid that they can't live up to the standard that they see on their screens. This is an epidemic. And Jesus has come to set the captives free. He's come to bring freedom for people who are caught in the prison. He has come to bring hope. Amen? Amen. It says here, Isaiah 61, 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. 
This is, this is things that have been devastated in the past. These are things that have, have ruined us, have wrecked us, have damaged us. They'll rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. This is talking about bondage to whatever it is, whether it's lies about yourself or about others, whether it's about a physical addiction to prescription medication or alcohol or drugs or pornography or food or work or entertainment or whatever it is. It's that thing that you want to quit and you think, oh, I could quit anytime, but then when you try, you really can't. And Jesus has come to set us free from that. Those things from the past that have hurt us, things spoken over us, curses spoken, lies, devastating lies that have been spoken to us, that have hurt us. You know, even let's say it's on the playground when you were a little kid. Somebody said something to you and it, and it broke you. And it wounded you. Kids can be mean. Anybody know that? And did you know that your past is really only your past when it's only in your past? Your past isn't your past when it still affects you today. Then it's your present. You know, people will try to say, oh, the Lord has made all things new. You know, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. That is true. That is what the Bible says. But if there's something plaguing you, there's a lie, or there's something that continues, you continue to just camp there, you know, it's something your parents spoke to you or, or maybe your best friend or someone that broke up with you or your ex-wife or whatever, and you're just, you're just bound by it. You can't break past it. It's saying here, they'll rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They'll revive them, though they've been des deserted for many generations. He has promised to bring us freedom from a heaviness, freedom from that that oppressive spirit. You know what I'm talking about? Just that feeling of just despair and hopelessness and, and you know, even just the feeling of uh, being weighed down. I went to a funeral several years ago, one of my neighbors, um, who we had shared Christ with this guy many, many times. Um, but he ended up, he was killed um, he was about 36 years old, and his funeral was so hopeless. There was just this heaviness. There was just this feeling of just this oppression. He was, it was just like everybody was weighted down. You know, the Bible says that we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. Jesus has come to set us free, that even when we grieve, we still have the hope that there's a purpose in it. It says, foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. It's saying the Lord is going to provide for you in ways you never even imagined. If you have that feeling that I can never get set free, you just have that lie that's like, no, this is the story of my life. I'm here to tell you this is not the end of your story. This is not the end of your story. Did you know that every single miracle in the Old Testament started with a massive problem? Every single miracle started with an epic problem. 
a problem that was a hopeless, like, there's no hope. I mean, the, the most obvious one that comes to mind, of course, is the Israelites standing at the Red Sea. There's an, there's an ocean here, and then there's an army behind them, and they're like, yeah, we're toast. But then God does this miracle, and that's what it's, this, this is saying. It's saying God is going to come in, and he's going to provide. He's going to lift that heaviness from you, that, that being weighted down, and he's going to provide in unique ways. It says freedom from poverty. You'll be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. This is not just talking about financial poverty. This is talking about even a spiritual poverty or even an emotional poverty. Jesus is saying he's going to provide again in miraculous ways. If freedom from shame I seriously believe that shame is one of the biggest lies that the enemy uses to keep us back from getting set free. He continues to th throw your past in your face, remind you. I'm sure you guys, you, you may have heard the saying, it says, whenever Satan reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Because he's going to throw it in your face. He's going to remind you. And the fact is, yes, you probably did those things. You may have done those things, but when Satan comes or when the demonic forces come and try to remind you about your past, the past for which Jesus Christ paid the price on the cross and set you free, you just remind the enemy. And I'm, and I'm not saying get in this conversation with the devil, okay? I'm just saying claim the promises of God. Just claim his promises. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I am forgiven. I am a child of God. Behold, what a love bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. Claim the promises of God whenever that shame comes in. Again, and I'm gonna say this again and again and again and again and again. Jesus did not just die for your sins. He died for your shame. He died for the effects of your sin on you that that the evil one wants to use to continue to rope you back and make you feel terrible about yourself. That is demonic. If there's a sin that you just cannot forgive yourself for, ask somebody that you trust to pray over you. Because even receiving the forgiveness that Jesus offers us is an act of faith. We have to believe that he actually went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. So here, I love this promise. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Sounds like a plan, yes? Can you guys read this with me? Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Turn to the person next to you and say, everlasting joy will be yours. The other thing is freedom from injustice. It says, for I, the Lord... Love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. 
There are some of you, I include myself in this, and you have been violated. And you've been abused. And you've been mistreated. And you've asked the question, Lord, where were you? How could you let that happen to me? And the Lord knows your pain. He knows the depth of your sorrow. And it says in Romans, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. Do not ever believe that the Lord is not just. The Lord is just. And it says, he's not slow as we understand slowness. He seems slow sometimes, doesn't he? You're like, I want to see justice right now. The Lord is like, I'm going to handle this. I am just and I hate wrongdoing and I hate robbery and he hates the things that happened to you and the abuse and the mistreatment. And he is a compassionate God and he is there to set you free from your captivity as a result of that wrongdoing and the robbery. He says, I love this. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. He's promised us freedom from worry. You know, there's a reason Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worries of its own. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. He has to tell us this a lot. You ever notice that? Because what do we tend to do? That is our natural tendency. Here's a hint. Natural is usually not Christ-like. Natural is the opposite of Christ-like. He's saying, trust me, I am good. And I'm going to say this again. God is good, he is faithful, and he is for you. If you can remember that no matter what you're going through, he's good, he's faithful, and he is for you. He's on your side. It says, their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize they are a people. Say this with me. The Lord has freedom from worry. <laughs> their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize they are a people. The Lord has blessed. I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. You notice he talks about joy a lot here. I'm starting to get the hint. He wants us to have joy. Joy can only be birthed out of a faith in him. It's not about happenings, external things. It's an internal thing. It's in trusting. God's got my back. He knows what he's doing. I'm his kid. He loves me. He's taking care of me. He's got it under control. It says, he's dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. This is saying, he wants to make you look good. Not for your glory, but for his. He wants us to reflect his goodness. 
and to make him famous so that people will know, the poor will understand that he came to bring good news and comfort for the brokenhearted and freedom for the captives. He has promised us freedom from fear. It says, the sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. Yay! It's saying instead of ashes and grief and sorrow and mourning and despair and devastation, he is going to bring a garden that is going to be rich with flowers and vegetation and provision and beauty. This is his promise. This is what he wants us to live. He doesn't want us to live these lives where we have our heads down and we're just bummed and just hopeless and faithless. He's saying, no, lift up your eyes. I have come to set you free. I, I've come to let you see reality that this life is just a vapor. This life is passing away so fast. And he's going to come back. And he's going to take us with him. If you know him, if you name the name of Jesus, he's going to take you with him to glory, to heaven. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Everybody keeps, everybody always says, you know, I was talking to somebody about this earlier. You know, they're like, well, don't you want to see your grandchildren grow up? I'm like, no, I want to spare them the, the evil and the wickedness of this life and let them just be in the presence of Jesus. Sorry to the parents of my grandchildren. <laughs> But, you know, it says in Isaiah 57, it says, God spares the righteous from the wickedness of this world by taking them out of it. I want, to, I want Jesus to come back. I want him to come back. And every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He is sovereign. He is king of all the universe. He is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Can you stand? If you're a person and you want freedom, can you just hold your arms out like this? Anybody here want freedom? Anybody want to be free? Everybody should have their hand up. <laughs> Unless you're one of those people you don't know you need freedom, and then we'll just lay hands on you and pray over you. So, <laughs> Father God, we come before you, Lord. We are needy. Lord, we have needs. We need you. Jesus, we cannot save ourselves. We can't set ourselves free. We cannot live lives that are perfect enough to earn our salvation. Lord, we thank you that it's about surrendering. It's about giving up to you, Lord, and receiving your forgiveness, receiving your grace. Lord, I don't understand your grace, but I'm so thankful for it. Thank you that you have poured out your grace on us. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross so that we could be set free from our captivity. We could be released from the darkness of our prison. Lord, I thank you that you came to set us free from our bondage and our worry and injustice and sorrow and sadness. Lord, and a heaviness and all the things, Lord, that that rob us of our joy, that rob us of our desire and our ability to praise you. And so, Lord, we just lift these things up to you and we want to receive the filling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for that song that says, it says that all you are, that's all I want. Lord, it says that your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. 
Great is your faithfulness, God. You are faithful. You are good. You are for us. And we bless you. We praise you. We receive your goodness and your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we applaud the Lord for his goodness?